there. Dr. Alan Hedberg here with you at the Psychology Report. Yesterday I uh, spent my time discussing the issue of suicide in our uh, adolescent kids and our younger children. And I noted that uh, the suicide rate has increased substantially over the last uh, 10 to 15 years, while the accident rate of deaths by accidents has decreased uh, substantially over that same period of time. So when we look at the death of young people, we're now seeing the rise of death by suicide as compared to death by accident, which wasn't the case before. But as I was talking yesterday, we were identifying the whole issue of kids at risk and the things to look for and things to be aware of and really deal with this issue so that we prevent this issue of suicide taking place with our young people. So I refer you to my website of yesterday. But today I'd like to kind of do part two, if you will, and uh, pick up the theme of children at risk. You know, not necessarily risk for suicide, but just risk for failure and risk for addiction and risk for um, interpersonal conflict and risk for criminal behavior. Uh, Children and kids and adolescent kids are at risk for a wide variety of unfortunate, unpleasant, and unnecessary results of their life as compared to thriving and being successful and achievement-oriented and academic-oriented and future-oriented and career-oriented. They become sidetracked and become lost in themselves and lost in the process of socialization and uh, get all mixed up in behavior patterns that are self-destructive and self-defeating as compared to those behavior patterns that are self-enriching and enhancing. So who are the kids at risk? What do they look like? Well, in 45 years of clinical practice as a psychologist, you know, you can always say, I've seen them all, but you know, you never have. There's always another kid that comes into your office that you've never seen the likes of before. And you start over, and you begin to dwell, and you begin to focus, and you begin to discuss and open up the kid so that you get some interaction going. And you begin to understand what's in back of this and underneath the emotions that the kid carries with them every day. You know, it's easy to kind of classify kids, but um, every kid is different. Every kid's unique. Every kid has his own little story. Every kid has his own little pattern of life. Every kid has his own problem, every kid has his own cry, every kid has his own search for the truth and search for him meaning and search for himself. So you can't classify them. But I'm going to try to do a little bit of that today. I'm just give you a little bit of a handle of kind of the groups of kids that, you know, I see in my office, but every psychologist sees in their office that uh, kids come from a variety of backgrounds and a variety of situations and many of these kids can't be helped. They have families, they have homes that are just dysfunctional as they can be. But here this kid is trying to make it in life on their own. And they, they need help. And coming into the office of a psychologist is the place to start. So let me just kind of give you a little bit of a breakdown of some of these kids and what they might look like. I refer to them as the depressed kids or the kid who is, help me, help me, help me. Very dependent, feels helpless, feels hopeless, feels discouraged, 
feel downtrodden, feel ignored. There's a kid who's depressed and does not have positive experiences in his life, does not have rewarding experiences in his life, does not have reinforcing experience in his life. He's missing a great deal of praise and approval and affirmation and confirmation of himself as a person and of what he does and what he accomplishes and what he tries to do. Depressed kids are kids who are not getting adequate reinforcement, adequate reward, adequate recognition, adequate approval in their life. And they're asking for help. Help me so that I can get that kind of reaction from people, that I can get the reinforcements that I need, I can get the approval that I need. Help me. Help me come out of this depression. They're helpless. They're hopeless within themselves. But you know, in a short period of time, you start to see these kids turn around. You start to see these kids put a smile back on their face and talk a little bit more and become more active and become self-rewarding and self-praising and are starting getting some praise from teachers and their own peers. Secondly, I call this the lonely kid or the kid that says, come to me, come to me. He's lonely, doesn't have the social skills, doesn't have the ability to interact with others very well. He tries to make friends and then fails, tries to reach out and gets frustrated, gets rejected. So he withdraws into loneliness, not necessarily depression, but just loneliness. In other words, he becomes more involved with his own uh, technology, becomes more involved with his own gaming, becomes more involved with you know, his own little room and some of the toys that he has in his own room and some of the things that he plays with and just spends his time alone. No friends, no social contact, no place to go on the weekend. So the cry of this kid is, come help me. Come to me. Come to me and help me. Be my friend. And that's the kid that needs the parent and needs the siblings and needs the cousins and needs the grandparents to come around them and be the friendships that are needed until they become able to the point where they can make their own friendships among their own peers. You have to be careful as a parent, though. A parent can never be the friend to their own child. You can be friendly, but you can't be their friend. You're their parent. You still must set the guidelines. You still must set the rules. You still must set the standards. You still must draw the line. You still must be responsible for good behavior. But you can be friendly and you can help fill that gap of needed social relationships until the child learns the skills and can be able to do it on his own. So that's the second child. The help me child and the come to me child. The third one I refer to as the uh, slow me down child. Slow me down. In other words, they feel helpless. They can't slow themselves down. So these are kids who are impulsive and who, are, who live with a sense of urgency and a, a sense of uh, uh, now. Now is the time. Now must be the time to do certain things. And uh, can't wait. These are Often these kids have ADD. They often have the attention deficit disorder and the hyperactivity but they're impulsive, they're active, they're overactive, they're overreach all the time. So I call them the slow me down kid. We have the help me kid, you have the come to me kid, and you have the slow me down kid. And uh, maybe your kid fits within those kind of categories, you will. And then you have the kid who's in pain, who's in inner 
pain. And I call this the calm my pain kid. Calm my pain kid. These are the kids that cut themselves. These are the kids that feel a deep, deep sense of hurt, a loss, a sense of rejection, a, a, a non-belonging, a non-engagement. These are kids that are lonely and off to themselves and have not connected and do not connect. They're detached from the rest of the world. They're detached from their social groups, the peer groups. They live their own life within themselves. Often there's two or three of them that might find each other and kind of come together a little bit. But uh, these kids live with deep, deep sense of pain. And they need somebody to come in there and calm their pain because they can't do it themselves. And cutting is often a way to change one pain for another, to override one pain with another pain. The emotional pain can be overridden with physical pain. So they cut. They hurt themselves as a way of getting rid of some of that emotional pain that they live with day by day by day. There are also kids that are very prone to alcoholism, to the use of marijuana, to the use of all kinds of drugs, as a way of kind of changing that inner feeling of pain and hurt. In fact, all these kids are, are subject to uh, addictions of various kinds uh, as a way of solving their own little problem. But it doesn't solve it. It only makes it worse and more complicated. So you got to watch for that. You can't let that, you know, kind of happen. And then number five, I call this the calm me down kid, the angry kid, the one that needs to be calmed down, the one that needs to be um, uh, just slowed down and calmed down and made so he can life live life a little more easy. He's angry. Some of these kids are angry and become very aggressive. They become antisocial. They become involved with the law. They become involved in antisocial behavior, criminal behavior. They're very angry kids. They strike back through anger, and they strike back through violence, and they strike back through hurting other people and hurting property and hurting things and hurting things that are important to other people and taking things that they want that they should have had in their own life. They become very, very socially aggressive. That's angry. Or these kids can be very angry and be withheld within themselves and they hurt themselves and they turn against themselves and they they put their anger on themselves to the point that they hurt themselves suicide is not a non-common result you know for such kids but is that anger that's held within they just don't talk they just don't socialize they just don't open up and it's like pulling teeth to get something from them but they're very angry they've been hurt they've been mistreated they've been unfairly treated They've been unjustly treated. They know it, and you know it. It's a matter of doing something about it. And all these kids, it's taking their life where they, where they are and begin the process of changing it and turning it around and turning the tables on anger and loneliness and depression and impulsivity and being uh, in pain and angry and just being unforthcoming. The kid who's lonely is just unforthcoming, cannot talk, cannot open up, cannot offer information, cannot offer ideas, just holds them within. So these are kids that really need to be in therapy. These are the kids that you've got to get in therapy and be in therapy with them as a mother and a father. You need to meet together. Even if you're divorced and you're separated and living apart, you too need to get together and be in that kid's therapy program. One time the father brings him, one time the mother brings him, and you talk to the therapist, 
and you get on the same page and you work together you may have differences between yourself and shame on you for that <laughs> but on the other hand get on the same page with helping your kid that's more important than helping yourself more important that your kids survive than you survive it's more important your kid come out of this uh, time of great emotional distress than you satisfy your own personal wants and desires and pursuits the kids what's number one the kids what's important and that's got to be the case whether you're living together or you're separated from each other number one is the kid and his problem and his issues and what he's trying to struggle with and the life he's trying to put together you be there to help him now here are just a couple quickies that can we can kind of end with today things to look for you may not know if your kid is angry or depressed or impulsive or you know may not be able to kind of get the uh, quite the, the right identity but look for some of the signs look for some of the symptoms look for some of the things that just are triggers that are just neon lights if you will that says help me help me do something and then do it number one academic change the grades drop the grades go down substantially something happened before that happened the grades were down at, at one point in time look for the three months before that and what's been going on in that child's life so academic change is very important to note social change have they dropped friendships have these gotten have they stayed away from social interactions do they avoid social situations look for that changes in dress have they now do they dress in black do they dress in dark colors do they when they in the past they did not they dress in a in a provocative way where before they did not what's going on if change in dress takes place look at what's going on something's going on that motivated that and prompted it changing sleep patterns changing eating patterns changing weight those are all factors you look for if a kid isn't sleeping something's going on in his mind and he can't sleep he can't rest he can't put that aside what about addiction potential look for that is this kid beginning to smoke is he beginning to use marijuana is he beginning to use alcohol you know that's age 14 by the way the average kid starts these kind of addictions at age 14 so be aware of it at age 12 13 and 14 and 15 and right on through all the addictive behavior patterns look for the signs are the beginning and don't take that uh, too lightly it's a serious matter because addiction can take place and set in in a matter of just a few days or a few months of use you don't you don't play with that addiction to marijuana can take place within a matter of days so get on it if that's the case look for changes in self-care are they not combing their hair are they not brushing their teeth are they not taking their baths are they not uh, caring how they look and how they dress self-care is very important it's a sign of self-respect or it's a sign of just letting yourself go and not caring anymore about yourself and then lastly listen what do they say about themselves what do they say about others are they critical are they negative are they defeating are they depreciating of themselves do they put themselves down listen for the words that they say listen for the themes that they're talking about these are things that you as a parent need to be very much aware of and on top of and when you see these kind of signs take action 
get a therapist that you can work with as a parent, as a family, and for your child. You may have to go to two or three of them before you find one that can really work with you. Ask people. Ask others where they go and where, what experiences they've had. But find a therapist that is helpful, that can be helpful to you as a family and to your child. Remember, a child is not on his own. A child is part of a family, part of a context, which means the entire family has to get a hold of this and be part of the answer and be part of the solution. So work together as a family. So make sure you get a therapist that you can work with. If you have a youth pastor, engage him. Get him to have time with your kid. Have him take time to meet with him at school, after school, on the weekend somewhere, and have a Coke together and just talk. So engage anybody. If you have a grandparent, a grandfather, grandmother, get them engaged. Get them to talk. Get them to take your kid out for lunch. Get them to take out your, your kid for a breakfast you know, at least once a month, if not every other week. Get the grandparents involved in a pro-social and a positive way that brings importance and value you know, to your kid. You don't have that, maybe a neighbor can do it. Maybe a, a distant relative can do it. A friend. Engage people. Don't go this alone. This is too tough. This is too hard. Bring in people who can be of help to you and can be of help to your child and be a support person you know, for your family. So I wish you well. This has been the Psychology Report, and uh, this has been Dr. Alan Hedberg. You know, my book... Uh, is very critical to this topic. My book, Doctor, Teach Me to Parent. In there, I have an entire section on these kind of kids, the lonely kid, the unforthcoming kid, the angry kid, the impulsive kid, and so on. I talk about them and how you as a parent and you as a family can work together to address these kind of issues. So go to my website, booksbyhedberg.com, booksbyhedberg.com, and order the book, Doctor, teach me to parent. It may cost you a few bucks, but stop going to Starbucks for about a week or two and buy the book instead. You'll get some benefit from it, and you'll maybe you'll save a life. This has been the Psychology Report. Bye for now.